Chapter 4 The Honeymooners It is wonderful to have someone praise you, to be desired. Marilyn Monroe Shortly after the wedding, 20th Century Fox had Hollywood attorney Lloyd Wright give the newlyweds a call and, as if they were delivering Marilyn a wedding gift, announce the lifting of the suspension of her contract. However, Lloyd stipulated that 20th Century Fox would do so only if Marilyn agreed to return to work immediately after her honeymoon to begin rehearsal for the film role that she had already declined in the production of The Girl in Pink Tights. Both Joe and Marilyn were upset with the bargain that 20th Century Fox was attempting to strike, but the news seemed to affect Joe DiMaggio the most. DiMaggio took the casting of his newlywed wife in such a sultry role as nothing short of a direct affront to him and his marriage. He told Wright in no uncertain terms that he would never sign off on a contract that would have his wife running around half-naked, portraying a woman of easy virtue. By the time Joe had hung up the phone, Lloyd and his Hollywood associates knew that now they weren't just dealing with Monroe, but they also had to play ball with Joe DiMaggio. At first, Marilyn Monroe enjoyed the paternalistic protective qualities of her husband, and she most certainly did not want to return to the same type of role she had grown so tired of before. Their partnership seemed to have developed on a unified front that was refreshing for them both. However, it wasn't long before Marilyn started to become a bit too stifled under Joe's avid protection. Shortly after they delivered their rebuff to 20th Century Fox, Marilyn and Joe traveled to Japan to finish the rest of their honeymoon in the Far East. Post-war Japan was just beginning to get excited about baseball, and Joe DiMaggio had received an invitation from the regional newspaper Yomiori Shimbun to come and kick off the Japanese baseball season. But before they even landed the plane, a U.S. military general by the name of Charles Christenberry intercepted the couple with a special request. After congratulating them on their wedding, he broached the topic, how would you like to visit Korea for a few days and entertain the American troops currently stationed in Seoul as part of the UN occupation force? The Korean War had just ended a few months before in July 1953, and it was quite common for American entertainers to be asked to perform for the bored soldiers still stationed along the 38th parallel. It was a rather open-ended question that seemed to be addressed to both of them, but it was Joe who took the bait first and replied to the general, I'd like to, but I don't think I'll have time this trip. And then, in a classically awkward moment, the general smiled as he corrected the former baseball player. I don't mean you, Mr. DiMaggio. My inquiry was directed at your wife. You can only imagine the look on DiMaggio's face as his ego completely deflates, and he realized that he has to play second fiddle to the star power of his wife. Marilyn accepted the general's request, and Joe would have to, grudgingly, accept as well. This one scene seems to be emblematic of their entire marriage. As soon as the power couple landed in Asia, they were mobbed by fans and photographers wherever they went. It's said that Monroe was followed around by the Japanese press as if she were some sort of visiting head of state. And to make matters even worse for DiMaggio, in more than one publication he was referred to as Mr. Marilyn Monroe. It was all a bit too much for him to take from the very beginning. And on February 16th, when Marilyn boarded a helicopter bound for her gig with the USO in South Korea, DiMaggio was almost relieved. Marilyn's first stop during her visit was to a field hospital where she visited wounded veterans of the war. Everyone was very grateful to see her, and she proved to be a welcome distraction from some of the misery they had suffered during the brutal conflict fought over North and South Korea. 
Over the next four days, Monroe performed on ten different occasions to about 60,000 troops of all different ranks and branches of service. It was here that Marilyn Monroe's stage persona truly became larger than life and seemed to take over her completely. She would later recall that when she entertained those adoring soldiers, it was the first time in her life that she really felt appreciated, that she felt wanted and loved. Like a drug, she couldn't quite get enough of it. When she made her exit from the stage during her last performance, she announced to the crowd as they gave her a standing ovation, This is the best thing that ever happened to me. Referencing the new home that awaited her with DiMaggio in California, she requested of her fans, Come see me in San Francisco.